We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. Good morning. I'm Catherine Zox, and you're listening to the Voice America Women's Network. Happy New Year, 2008. And joining me this morning is my co-host, Lauren Deller. Lauren, how are you this morning? Hi, Catherine. I'm good. How are you? I am great. What a show we have today, let me tell you. Two ladies this morning. One, our first uh, guest is going to be Dr. Deborah Mandel. And I know you've heard of her. I've seen her many times. She's on television, the Today Show, CNN. Anyway, she's going to talk to us, Lauren, about the new year. She has a new book, Dump That Chump. <laughs> From Doormat to Diva in Only Nine Steps, A Guide to Getting Over Mr. Wrong. Who doesn't need that? Apparently, well, everybody, New Year's, I'm sure, and I'm going to hear what your New Year's resolutions were later on in the show, and mine too. But anyway, the commitment to change, I mean, I think that's obviously the big thing at New Year's. You want to lose weight, get a new job, get a promotion. But for women... And I don't think this is going to surprise you. One of the most common resolutions is to improve their intimate relationships. And I think that's true even if you don't want to dump the chump. And even if he's not a chump, we want to improve our relationship. And it's true, I guess, that both men and women want to do this. But surprise, surprise, women stick with guys who are bad for them more easily than guys stick with a, a, a bad chick. They'll ditch her. I would think that's so true. It is true, isn't it? And I think it's always been true, whether I was in high school, in college, uh, and I'm not going to tell you how old I am now, but anyway, all through the decades, that's really true. So, Lauren, the expert, we have Dr. Deborah Mandel. She is going, she's a psychologist, lots of experience, new book. We're going to hear about uh, why do women stay committed to guys who fail to treat them with the love and respect they deserve. Welcome to the show, Doctor. Nice to have you on this morning. Good morning. Happy New Year, and thanks for having me on. It's great to have you. It's very early in the morning, but we've got to get right to it, right? Um, you know, uh, your book, Dump That Chump, it's it's so, as I said, and if you were listening, I was talking to my co-host, it's like women have difficulty getting rid of those bad guys in their lives. And I, as I said before, I don't care whether you're 15 or you're 55. Why is it? Sad but true. And some would say that women are gluttons for punishment, but I don't really think that's true. I think instead what we're sold from very early on, as well as in our temperaments and our nature, is that we can, by doing the right thing, promote change. That if we stick in there long enough, you know, we're sort of uh, taught very early to be the cheerleader, to go all the way, to look for potential, to always support even the negative in somebody and to give them confidence and all that. And sometimes we take that to an extreme, and even if we're being completely mistreated or somebody doesn't respect us, we're basically with a chump, then it's not a good thing. So that quality can be positive, but in those situations where it's just not working, it's better to look at ways to move on. All right, so what do we do? How do we identify it first? Because I think that really rings true. But don't we have to be aware that we're going too far in terms of giving him another chance? I mean, how many times have I had a girlfriend call and say, you know, buddy, he's really nice, he does this, you know, sort of weighing the pros and the cons and always kind of giving the guy the benefit of the doubt. So, Dr. Mandel, how do you know when, hey, it's time, you can't do that? If he were 100% bad, it would be easy to dump that chump. But 
you always hang on to those little, you know, whispers of, well, maybe he'll get better. Exactly. We have those little grains of hope. We think, yeah. oh, because he, oh, you know, Valentine's is coming up. We'll, we'll hold out for that because maybe he'll get us those roses or that, uh, that ring that we wanted for all these years that we've talked about. But chances are, if you're with a chump, he repeatedly makes the same mistakes. I mean, chumps are, I really qualify, the, a chump versus a good guy who just might be a misfit for you because those relationships can end as well, but they're not going to usually end on such bad terms because with chumps, basically it's a guy who really doesn't care about your needs at all, disregards them, disrespects you. I've got a whole Are You With a Chump quiz in my book that lets you sort of figure out the the level of chumpiness of your guy because, you know, there are some lower-level chumps, you know, who maybe kind of miss the boat now and again, but they're workable actually. And then you have the extreme red alert chumps who are just chronically mistreating you. They might even be abusing you, and those are just toxic red flag type of relationships that you just need to run for the hill. All right, so red flag relationships, what are they? Let's start with the top, the really toxic ones, Let's, oh. where there's no question. This guy is a chump, ladies. You have to get rid of him. Okay, this guy would come in the package of he abuses you, he abuses you in private, or he abuses you in public. It could come in the form of verbal, mental, psychological, emotional, or sexual or physical, and any one of those, you know, and when I say mental or physical, mental or psychological abuse, I'm really talking about the person who is always putting you down, is uh, humiliating you in public, actually takes some pleasure in making you feel bad. They really need to put you at the bottom of the totem pole so they can feel better about themselves. What's so, the motivation for a chump like that? Why do they do that? Well, because, you know, we always think of women as having low self-esteem. There are a lot of guys out there walking around with no self-esteem and low self-esteem. And But their defense mechanisms for that j- tend to be to be hostile and resentful toward others, and they put other people down, whereas a lot of women, when they feel bad about themselves, they'll wear that on their sleeve. So women blame themselves. Is that what you're saying? Like if we have feelings of low self-esteem, perhaps we get depressed, we feel bad, but we blame ourselves where men tend to, not all men, obviously, but what you're saying is they'll take it out on the person they supposedly love the most. They will point the finger at everybody but themselves. And, and, you know, I actually help people get out of that blame and shame game because I don't think blame is ever good, but accountability and self-responsibility is such a valuable asset for people to have, and so few people actually master that in their lives. But that's really the best gift that we can give ourselves and a relationship is to be able to look ourselves clearly in the mirror and say, you know what, my bad, I did that, you know, I apologize, because then we open the door for change and the possibility of doing something different. And Dr. Means- Mandel, why are women, and there are women, and I have girlfriends like like that who are chronically attracted to chumps as you're describing them and even that, that red alert kind of chump that you just talked about and, and but they continue to do it you know they'll get rid of one guy and go right on to the next with the exact same characteristics yeah it comes from many sources but I think a very big one is old childhood wounds you know when we have not healed some of that stuff we are going to be drawn to the same kind of person that maybe mistreated us or mistreated us or abused us or neglected us because we want to make it better, so we kind of pick the same thing thinking we're going to have a different outcome. But lo and behold, unless that person is willing to have a different outcome, your partner, you're not going to because it really does take two to make that work. Right. So we have to break these patterns of self-destructive behavior. And you're saying, what, should we go into counseling, therapy? I mean, obviously take a look at ourselves. But uh, it sounds to me if you're talking about these are childhood wounds that it really, if you're doing this as a pattern, going out with these chumps all the time, get yourself into counseling. Yes, and there are many levels of 
self-support that people can use before even going to counseling, they give it a try. You know, you don't need to spend your entire, I mean, I'm a therapist. I like it when people come to me, right? That's yeah. how I <laughs> make a living. <laughs> but I really do encourage people, don't spend your life savings on therapy. A lot of people are very insightful on their own and can use self-help resources, support groups, things like that. But if it's not working, then don't feel bad about yourself. You may need that extra support and benefit of having actually a another person in the room with you helping you sort this stuff out. So, Dr. Mendel, what do you do? All right, now you've mentioned, and I think this is maybe even a more difficult situation, where you have a chump who it isn't abusive verbally or physically and doesn't do that as you know on an ongoing basis. But what about the guy in the middle? You know, that's more difficult, I think, to reconcile that maybe I should get rid of that that middle middle of the road chump absolutely and you know i'm very uh, supportive in the book and dump that chump i really do talk from a level of you know what i've been there before believe me i'm this is not coming just from personal i uh, just from professional experience but I have, i've been I, there before too i, I think who hasn't exactly that, what know. lady hasn't yeah Right, and so you know those those diff, those middle of the road kind of relationships where you know the guy's a chump. It's not going to get much better, you know. If you're single, if you've not been dating for too long, if you're not married, those you clearly just want to get out now. I mean, why waste all these years and be one of those people in 25 years where it's that much more difficult to get out? But you know, if you do have a couple of kids, if you have um, a lot of property intertwined, you have a lot of financial things going on together, then you know, I, I say for a lot of relationships, if they're not abusive, give it a go with counseling for a little bit. Go into some couple therapy, see if there's a chance. But if you hear from the guy that you know what, this is really about you. If only you would be happy, we wouldn't have any problems. That that is a danger sign. That's a red flag. Yeah, because you're getting sucked into his reality, and yours, once again, is not being supported. Now, clearly, if you are nuts, I mean, you know, I mean that in a fond way, but (laughs) if you really have poor reality testing in relationships and you twist everything through your own dark prison, then it's not going to work out no matter who you're with, whether you're with a chump or a great guy. So, you know, you've got to do that work, too. And I actually have a chapter in the book that says, you know, accept your own screw-ups because we got to do that in order to have successful, healthy relationships. And you also have in the book, uh, you have a quiz that we can take. I mean, you actually can go down and score yourself to see whether or not, you know, to, to your, what your relationship is like and whether you are in a relationship with a chump or even a chumpette. That's right. You can actually, I even have women, because primarily, you know, you know, women are the ones who buy self-help books because we're the ones who tell are told that we're the ones who should change <laughs> so we buy them you know so most self-help books in that genre are written for women but you can easily take the quiz if you're a guy and you're listening and you go hmm i wonder if that's my girlfriend or my wife you know that's possible too and ladies you can also buy the book and then ask your partner or, or spouse or whomever to take the quiz Um, We have to take a break right now, short break. We're talking to Dr. Deborah Mandel. She's author of Dump That Chump, From Doormat to Diva in Only Nine Steps. And we have to go right through those nine steps after the break. A guide to getting over Mr. Wrong. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on Voice America Women's Network. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. We'll be back in a minute. Talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. I have three children. 
and I've been raising my 16-year-old sister. Mary Gallagher and her family shared a two-bedroom apartment with eight people. Now Habitat for Humanity is helping her build a simple, decent, affordable home of her own. When we first found out that we were getting a Habitat home, it was like a dream. I kept saying, don't anybody wake me up. Not only is Mary helping build her own home, she'll buy it with a no-profit, zero-interest mortgage to keep it affordable. Habitat came out and built my home, and when Mary started building her house, I wanted to come out and give a hand. We're not just building Mary's house, we're building a neighborhood. There's several more to be built this year, and I look forward to working on each of their houses and seeing the joy of their face when they open the door to their brighter future. Habitat for Humanity. Building homes, changing lives. Support the work in your community. Visit Habitat.org. I feel very blessed. God has answered all of my prayers. We are home. Ladies, are you looking for a place where you can talk candidly about anything and everything? Well, here it is. Timeless Women Speak on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll talk about sexuality, age-proofing your career, finding your passion and purpose, keeping your brain power, keeping your marriage fresh, dating for grown-ups, plastic surgery, surviving our beauty culture, and much more. Tune in Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific to Timeless Women Speak with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly on the Voice America Women's Channel channel radio that talks with you not at you voice america women's radio network you're listening to the katherine zox show on the voice america women's channel if you'd like to join our conversation this morning call now the toll-free number is 866-472-5788 that number again is 866-472-5788 Welcome back. I'm Tappan Sox, your social worker with the microphone, and you are listening to Voice, the Voice America Women's Network. Thank you for joining us this morning. And joining me this morning is renowned psychologist, if you're just joining us, columnist, speaker, and relationship expert, Dr. Deb, Deborah Mandel, and she's the author of Dump That Chump from Doormat to Diva and Only Nine Steps, A Guide to Getting Over Mr. Wrong. And lots of advice, lots of uh, really good advice, Dr. Mandel, in the book, stuff that we can follow, very easy to follow in order to assess our relationship and dump the chump or chumpette, as you say. And the approach is really, we didn't talk about this in the beginning, but kind of a sensitive approach, but it's, nece- but it's also we, it's a take-charge ta- approach. We have to take charge of ourselves and our relationships as women. Very important, right? Yes, and Catherine, a key point that I want to mention because it's just so important is so many people are taught this concept that it takes us almost half the length of a relationship to be able to grieve it successfully and move on, and I say to that, that's just hogwash, because when you think about dumping a chump, what are you losing? It's sort of like having a bad flu or a bad cold. When you're over it, do you feel sad that you lost it? <laughs> no. You feel great. No, right. you exactly, yeah. So it's and, reframing a lot of this, because a lot of times we think, oh, I can't lose this person because he's so awesome. No, he isn't. He's a chump. He treats you like garbage. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't pay attention to you. He sells you a bunch of lies most of the time. You believe him. It's about you now. It's about time to take charge. But you get used to that, don't you think so, Dr. Mandel? You you kind of like, it's an albatross around your neck, but you're used to that albatross, and so you, it's kind of insidious, and so it becomes a part of your environment, your relationship, and who you are, and it's sort of like, as you say, uh, it when you, the minute it you 
leave the relationship, it's sort of like, oh, I can breathe again. This is amazing. Right. Like, we don't yeah. often realize it until we're out of it how much tolerance we developed for that, those bad feelings. You know, I was once in this relationship with this guy, and I felt anxious all the time. My therapist called it an abandonment crisis because I was always afraid he was going to leave me. That's not a healthy relationship to be in where you're always on the verge of believing that you're going to be abandoned. And after about, you know, six months or so of not being with him, it was like, Woo-woo, this is great. <laughs> I don't feel any of that. And now I have such low tolerance for that because I don't want that in my life at all anymore. And it's just, it is amazing how comfortable we can get with something, even though we're really miserable. Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, I similar relationship, and I remember the thing that I was always finding myself doing was saying, I'm sorry, I'm always apologizing. And I am not a person to apologize. You know, very I'm a strong woman i've always been somebody who's been successful at what i do and yet i got into this relationship where i find this guy is as you say criticizing me critiquing me and i'm always apologizing about what i'm doing oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry that's definitely a red flag yeah or apologizing for who you are you know i mean if we do mess up in relationships it's okay to take responsibility for our behavior but when you're chronically saying you know i'm sorry i'm sensitive you know, I'm sorry that I care about you so much. I'm sorry that I went out of my way to please you when you were angry. You know, those are the kinds of things you definitely don't want to be sorry for. Yeah, so I've never said sorry again. <laughs> I won't ever apologize to anybody again. I'll rectify the situation, but I never say I'm sorry. I'm not so sure that's a good thing. But also in the book, you know, we've been talking about, you know, some of the destructive behaviors, but you also mentioned, I think this is really important, Doctor, because the makings of a healthy relationship, like putting it in the positive, I mean, you're very specific about that. What what, what is the good stuff that should be in the relationship? Yes, and everybody wants different things, right? We all have a list of our non-negotiable needs that are very important to us, and those are not always universally what people want. They're, they're specific to us. But in the universal category, I think for healthy relationships, we definitely need people with high levels of compassion, the ability to be understanding, a general sense of caring about both your own needs but also your partner's needs, and a willingness to sometimes put the relationship above individual needs. Not all the time, but certainly at times. If you want a successful relationship, sometimes you say, you know what, I'm not going out with the girls three nights in a row because I haven't been home enough to nurture my relationship. Where the guy says, I'm not going on that golf weekend because my wife and my baby were sick and it's time for me to step up and, and take care of them. So I think those those are real specific behaviors, and I think they fall into the category in your book, which I thought, you know, I mean, it's kind of that basic mutual respect for one another and mm-hmm. a, a sensitivity to each other's vulnerabilities. I think those are really important, and you you point those out in the book. Yeah, those things are just critical, because otherwise, what are you based on? You know, you're based on one person servicing the other person, or two people that are really selfish, and that's not not going to work in any kind of situation. I think what happens too very often, and, and a lot of us were raised, you know, it's a different generation, especially I think maybe the, uh, I don't know about the baby boomers, but maybe the generation X, you know, it is a kind of a me-me thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do what I want to do when I want to do it, and couples get together and they have this kind of like checklist. You can do this if I can do this, but it's all very cognitive, and there isn't that like, as you talk about, kind of that mutual just respect and feelings for one another that you want to do it just because you want to do it and you love that person not because you have a checklist of who can do what when exactly and too many people are leading with the fear that they're going to be cheated and sadly though that is a byproduct of having a society with such poor relationships right we're always fearing that we're going to end up in divorce court most people start relationships with the concept of it's probably not going to work rather than it's probably going to work and you can see that that breeds a level of defensiveness in people because they're fearful 
And it, it, and I suppose you could say if you take a look at the statistics, that's unfortunately realistic. Right. What? But me being the glass is half full girl, I always say, well, okay, so maybe 50% end up in divorce court, but 50% end up together. What are they doing right? Yeah, great question. What do we need to learn from, from them? But as you also point out, I mean, this idealized portrayals of love and romance today in today's society. Where does that get us? I mean, you see these young girls are not so young, even in college or 20s and thinking about getting married, and then they see these, you know, it's all this idealized stuff that no one can live up to. So, you know, it's that picture on the wall that everything's perfect, and when you don't live up to it, then you get angry at yourself or your spouse or what do you do about that? Oh, yes, and boy, have I fallen victim to that. I'm like the classic romance novel lover. You know, I love to read those novels and then go, wait a minute, they always tell you how you get there. They never yes. tell you how to keep it, right? So, exactly. so I always have to read those, and when I finish one, I have to laugh, you know, to step back and say, okay, remember, come back to reality. That's not reality either. You know, it would be nice if guys learned a little bit from romance novels. There, there tends to be a few good things in there, but, you know, that's not realistic either. And so we do have to have a realistic perspective of what a healthy relationship is and uh, you know and and look at the way society has influenced us in fact I have I think what's a very cute chapter is in the front I have Cupid's Cupid's mission and when Cupid goofs so that's how we understand the model of love and what to do about it and the model of love as you also mentioned and this is this is key I think it may be difficult for women who've had a, a poor role model in terms of their father. Let's say their mother has been married to a chump who she never dumped and then <laughs> and should have, and she's got two or three daughters, and that's been their role model, you know, a chumpy father. Then what are the – well, how – you know, I think it makes it more difficult for them, and what do they do? Well, and in those situations where you really just your, – your inner sense of self is empty in that well, it's, it is good to get some counseling and try to, to get a hold of that because otherwise you don't want to lead in the future with those wounds in your up and coming relationships, which once you dump a chump, I'm very encouraging of people to get back in the saddle pretty quickly. But once you've done the exercises that I outlined that I think are critical to making that successful the next time around, if you just let time pass, as a lot of people think, Time heals all wounds. Time really doesn't heal anything unless you're doing an active process to get through things, which is why I have the nine-step success plan. Yes, the nine-step success plan. I don't think we're going to go through it step-by-step. Step. I think listeners have to go by the book, and you can go right through and you because, because think about it first. I think they have to sit down and think, am I with a chump, yep. you know, and, uh, and what am I going to do about it? But, yes, there are nine very specific steps in the book that you can go to. Also, you can go to your website, yep. and you, have, you can take that quiz. Right. Um, hey, here's for immediate gratification. You can go right to drdebraonline.com, D-R-D-E-B-R-A-Online.com, and you can go right to the page of uh, products and dump that chump is up there, and you can assess whether you are even with a chump. Yep. <laughs> There's one thing I want to get back to because we do have a couple minutes that we're talking about because you say role models, and you may have a – there is – if you've been – if your father's a chump, that can be a major problem. But here's the other side of that, Quinn, and I thought, well, I have you on the show. I'm going to ask you this question, Dr. Mm-hmm. Mandel. What about girls who have, and, and I think in my case this was probably true, I had a father who I, I was just 
he was always there for me. You know, I idealized him, and maybe I didn't even idealize him. He was there for me. It was like so that no other man could live up to to my expectations because he I had this terrific father who took care of everything. That's also not good. Yeah, well, and, and that one's a little bit more easy to fix. You know, that one you just say, okay, I really have to look at my expectations of a partner, an intimate partner, because a father-daughter relationship is very different than a spouse relationship or a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. And I think sometimes we transfer the exact expectations that we had with dad to our guy, and that's going to not work because there are definite differences. Like he, the, the guy that you're with is not supposed to do everything for you or always be there for you. That requires, again, that more mutual sense of respect, and so that's a give-and-take kind of relationship. And also, don't you think, Doctor, that the guy that you're with let's say you're 25 or 30, he's not 50 or 60 with all of the, uh, wisdom, the experience, experience and wisdom. Right. Yeah, and, and I think I fell prey to that, thinking, well, why doesn't he know that? Daddy did. Well, yeah. you know, he's only 25 years old. How could he? Right, and that's that expectation thing again, because, you know, that's just not realistic to expect of someone else. So, again, you come back and you assess the person you're with as, is this is this a good guy? You know, is it a good guy? And do you have compatibility? Compatibility is very important too. A lot of people fall into relationships that aren't necessarily with chumps or chumpettes, but they're not looking for the things that really make them tick, the things that really make them feel excited to be with somebody, and they settle too much, and that's not a good thing either. Yeah. All right. So you got to you have assessment is really important. Getting the book, going online, Dr. Deborah Online dot com, and the book is Dump That Chump. From Doormat to Diva and Only Nine Steps, A Guide to Getting Over Mr. Wrong. So great to have you on the show this morning, Doctor. Thank you so much. And now I'm off to uh, Fox TV here in San Diego. Okay, so folks, now you can go watch. You can go see Dr. Deborah Mandel. You've heard her. Now go go see her on Fox TV. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. Lauren, so what would you think? You got As you're sitting there talking to, I'm assessing my relationship. <laughs> what about you? I think that... Uh, well, I don't know if Lauren is on. Can't hear her. I don't know if she can hear me or not. Hello. Can, can you hear yes. me? That was yeah. weird. I, yeah. was, I was saying, I'm sitting here doing the same thing, Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, can, I go through the whole thing of, is he a chump or am I? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Or are we compatible? I mean, there's so many things. Go. Seriously. But if you do, she the quiz that Dr. Deborah Mandel has on Dr. and it's Dr. Deborah online.com it's like a there are a lot of questions there you can drill it and they're good ones too so she's good i like her yeah she's very cool and so you can assess it and find, you know, then you and i can talk about our relationships on the next show oh god we're in trouble <laughs> yeah are you a chump is he a chump or are we just not compatible who knows time to take a break on that one Catherine Sox, lauren beller and you're listening to voice america women's network thanks for joining us this morning we'll be back in a minute Talk radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. Inner Health Through Homeopathy, hosted by Melissa Birch, CCH, with Dr. Tim Stryker. This show features a weekly discussion about homeopathy, a holistic approach to health care, which treats ailments by bringing the entire body into balance. Homeopathy encompasses and examines the makeup of the entire person instead of focusing solely on a disease or ailment. 
The healing process involves physical, mental, and emotional changes which come from a wellness within. Homeopathic remedies go far beyond an alleviation of symptoms. They can restore harmony to the body and open paths to a higher level of awareness. Each week, Melissa Birch, CCH, explores a different health issue and individual healing processes with Tim Stryker, MD. Tune in every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Inner Health Through Homeopathy. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desk, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. For the most current and up-to-date information and options in childbearing, family health, and parenting, tune in to Celeste Ranisi's Timely Topics in Childbirth, broadcasting every Wednesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. If you don't know your options, you don't have any. We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. I am Catherine Sox, your social worker with the microphone, and joining me is, is, is my guest this morning on Voice America Women's Network is Robin Walliner. Robin is the, well, she was, she is an entrepreneur. She was the founder of Parenting Magazine. We all know Parenting Magazine, former executive of CNET Networks and author of Naked in the Boardroom. And now she has started up a company called TBD, and you can go to tbd.com. Twenty years after she started Parenting Magazine, Robin decided she looked around, found no place for her generation to connect. She wasn't ready to retire and wanted to keep growing, so then she launched tbd.com. And tbd.com, it's a tumble. Twister is an experienced network for people over 40. 40 is the new 20. Is it really? I'm not sure about that. Robin, welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning. Thanks a lot. I was kind of trying to get through that. That's that's difficult. That uh, what is what does it stand for? TBD. It stands for to be determined. To be determined. Okay. Uh, my space for the 40 plus crowd. Tell us about it. Well, um, online networking is not something that most of us baby boomers think that we want to do. And I've been working in the Internet since the mid-90s, so it felt more comfortable to me. But I talked to a lot of people my age, and they were like, why would I want to be in a social network? I see my kids on MySpace. I don't like it. Um, and now, of course, uh, Facebook. Uh, Facebook wasn't really that prominent when I when I first started talking to people about this. Excuse me for that dog in the background. Uh, <laughs> it's, 
just a mom. Yeah, we understand. Believe me, my co-host, Laura Della, usually has her baby, often, or Ken, when the nanny doesn't show up, has her baby on her lap. So, well, my, you know, my, my kids are both asleep, so unless, yeah. unless the dog wakes them up, we should be fine. Good. Okay. Um, Talk and, fast. And uh, so it's not networking just for the sake of hanging out like some of the younger social networks are. It's networking with a purpose. And the purpose is that we're we're in this interesting stage of life in our 40s and 50s and even 60s um, where we have a little bit more time to ourselves. The kids are getting a little bit older. And uh, people realize that while life, there's still lots of life to be determined, we don't have unlimited time. We want to make the most of it. So one way to do that is to connect with other people who've been there, done that, people who you can learn from. Um, for whether it's going through recharging your career or recharging your marriage or becoming single again um, or the empty nest. There are lots of life changes at this, at this part of life, and it's helpful to look around at other people's experience. So, Robin, you're, just, you're addressing those issues that are specific to, as you say, the 40-plus group, which can be 40s, 50s, or 60s. Right. One of the things that I'm curious about, because I get a lot of uh, – uh, listeners who are interested in this, uh, and this and this you, you, is on your website. Seven steps to career reinvention. I think you know, forty plus is really that age where people, where individuals, women in particular, are looking to re-career, to to do something different, to change. Absolutely. Don't quite know how to do it or where to go. Absolutely, that's why we've had a coach on our site since the beginning, Gordon Miller, and now a lot of other co- coaches is really a booming. Um, profession, and there are a lot of good coaches out there. We found a lot of them on TBD that help people who want to either return to the workforce after they've taken some time off, that's typically women, or or they've been in the workforce a long time and the things that used to energize them don't anymore, so they want to figure out a different way of working. And we help them. What was the most, would you say, the most difficult thing that women, when trying to get, let's say, women who have worked part-time or, or not been in the workforce at all, you know, spent the past 10 years taking care of the kids, is there one thing that stands out for, you know, they're 40-plus, like how do, you know, some the one issue do you think that's really out there for women at that age, like that, that, that they can't seem to get over in order to be able to get back or re-career? Yeah, I think women, and, and I, I hate to generalize, but, but um, certainly I talked to a lot of women when I wrote my book and um, was out there talking about the book, which is about business for women, um, as well as on TBD. Women, I think, hold ourselves to an impossible standard. We look at what the holes are in our resume and and um, and how we're not perfect for a job. And men don't seem to be as um, constricted that way. So I, I, the one thing I would say to women is stop apologizing for the time off and see it as a plus. Um, Gordon says, think about the things that you've done. I mean, the kinds of skills that you learn as a mom in terms of multitasking, for example, are very helpful in the workplace. Yeah, being the CEO of your family, of your house, of exactly. uh, organizing, you know, one, two, three kids plus a spouse and uh, doing that for 10 years, it's like being the CEO of a company in many ways. Absolutely. One of the women I interviewed for my book said um, she heard from so many young women well, I'm missing this qualification. And she said, you just don't hear that from guys. So so I, I say focus on what you've got, not what you lack. I think men tend to do just the opposite, actually. They will overemphasize their skills and their abilities when they aren't there, and they don't care. They'll do it anyway. And we sort of have to reach that kind of happy medium. It's true. We are always apologizing for what we don't have rather than just talking about I think it's one of the reasons why women don't do well in in compensation negotiations, and it's been well documented and reported. 
we leave a lot of money on the table because we're constantly thinking what we don't have as opposed to what we're worth. Yeah, and we don't deserve it for whatever reason. We can go down the list why we don't deserve this raise or we don't right. deserve this promotion and just forget about it. So, okay, so that's the, and you have seven steps, specific steps to career reinvention if you go to the website. What else? Let's say we, we, we go to, to, to your website um, and uh, what other kinds of issues are you addressing? Oh, well, um, the, the big ones are work um, and relationships. Um, Let's is, do relationships. Okay. All right. Well, you know, what we, first of all, we see a tremendous amount on the website of people who've been married for a long time. And, um, you know, as the founder of Parenting Magazine, I feel a little bit, you know, guilty about this trend, but certainly for baby boomers, um, we've put our kids at the center of our lives for so long that when the kids start being more independent, parents have a couple of different reactions. And you um, told us to do it. <laughs> now you're going to have to clean up the mess that you made 20 years ago, <laughs> exactly. Robin. I feel that. And actually, um, TBD's chief product officer, David Marcus, was the founding editor-in-chief of parenting. So the two of us, the two of us really are culpable. Um, okay. And anyhow, so you have these long-time married people, and a couple of different things happen. The kids are looking for more independence. Um, they've either moved out or they're about to. Um, and the parents are looking at each other going, now why was it that we were a couple before we had kids? And trying to reconnect, and we hear a lot on TBD, you, people are also going through physical changes at midlife. So desire differences is a giant thing that people talk about, and they love talking about it in an environment where you're talking to other grown-ups and it's not kids. Um, so that that is something that people talk about very personally on TBD. So you're um, saying, Robin, that they don't have the same, you said desire? Uh-huh, desire for, for physical intimacy or emotional intimacy. Um, when people have been married a long time, they've changed over those decades. And so that's something we see a lot of couples struggling with. Um, we joke about it um, because, you know, you, you, you'll get one member posting, you know, a woman will be posting and she'll say, you know, we, we, we don't have sex anymore, we don't have romance, you know, I wish, well, I wish I would get this. And the next minute there'll be a guy posting the same thing and we're thinking, I wonder if they're married to each other. <laughs> you know, um, so, so there's a lot of that. There's also the, the phenomenon of the helicopter parent. And we see interesting differences on that too. We'll have one member who, who posted a story, um, I think it was in the New York Times, about um, how baby boomer parents stay connected to their kids even when they're in college and beyond. And these mothers who are on their cell phones um, with their, you know, particularly with their daughters, um, five times a day. And, and one member posted this and said, you know, isn't this terrible? And another member responded and said, that's what I want when my daughter goes to college. <laughs> so, you know, it's just two ways of viewing things. I think this is a generation that is staying connected with their kids much longer. We thought the empty nest, when we first started talking about TBD, we thought the empty nest happened when kids left for college. And, you know, we heard from a lot of members that said, no, I'm keeping my kid's room because I hope he or she comes back after college. And yeah. How healthy do you think that is? I get into the helicopter parenting a lot on the show because uh -huh. I'm not so sure that's very – it really, you know, as a social worker, as a therapist, you know, that whole issue of boundaries, mm -hmm. keeping your boundaries separate from your kids so that they can grow and thrive, and also separation and individuation. You have to separate in order to become the individual that you need to be. And I think if you're in contact with your mother five times a day, uh, whether you're the son or the daughter, I don't think that's helpful for you to kind of work on your own issues and solve your own problems and get the benefits from doing that, do you? Oh, I, I completely agree with you. Now, I'm not a trained social worker or therapist, 
and I had my kids very late, so I've got one teenager now and one nine-year-old. So I'm about to experience this, and every time my son rolls his eyes and goes, whatever, at me, I go, okay, this is good, this is individuation, this is right. good. But, but I agree with you, and it's just the same parents who are staying so involved then complain that their kids don't seem to have the work ethic. <laughs> so it's sort of like, okay, um, you can't Or really get into a job, you're so right, Robin, or they get into a job situation, and the boss is mean to them or not nice to them or it doesn't go the way they want, they're, I'm done. I, they don't stick with it because, That's you right. know, it's not. I have no resilience. I've seen that as an employer um, very much with this, uh, the generation of people, uh, 20-somethings. Um, so that's the, the kids of the baby boomers. Our parenting started 21 years ago. But um, I think that's clearly clearly an issue, and it, it would be better for the kids. I mean, some of these parents will call the kid's boss. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's astonishing to me. Yeah, call the kid's boss. Well, that goes along with, I know, with my friend's kids in college. If they had a problem in college, Mom or Dad is calling up, the, calling the college, you know, roommate problem, whatever. When I was in college, I resolved the problem myself. My exactly. parents weren't calling up the dean. Uh, but it, then, it, as you say, it follows into the work situation as well. Uh, but this is fast. I love this website. Now, do you have to, you're the, do you have to join the website? How does it work? How do you become a member? Join TBD. Well, it's free. Um, we launched in September, um, and we've got thousands and thousands of members and, and are growing literally as we speak. Um, it's free. You don't even have to join to read what's on the site. You only have to join if you want to, uh, put up a profile or, um, uh, comment on one of the discussions. Um, there are a number of things that, that uh, make joining necessary, but it's an incredibly active community, and um, we've been just delighted about it. That's, it, it is, it's, a, um, you know, it's, it's a wonderful website, and as you say, it's the MySpace for the 40-plus crowd. So, uh, listeners, go to the website, which is tbd.com, and we've been talking to Robin Walliner. She's the expert, told us what to do in Parenting Magazine. Now she's going to carry us right through birth through death, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, great talking to you this morning. Thanks so much. And we got through the show without the kids waking up, I guess, didn't That's, we? And the, dog, and the dog stopped barking. And the, so uh, the dog It was listening. a great morning. Yeah. <laughs> Take Have care. a great day. Thanks, Thanks. so much, Robin. She's terrific. Lauren, so here we go. Uh, go to t- go to the website because it's true. Because people start talking about those things that they're embarrassed to talk about. Who wants to say, you know, that you're, you know, you're not as uh, sexually want to be as sexually active as you did when you were in your twenties? All those things that men and women don't want to admit to, they address on TBD.com. So we have to check it out. Yeah, <laughs> and she gave a plug for your profession. You brought, Absolutely, uh, yes, Lauren she did. is a is a is a coach. As all of you know, our listeners know, but uh, coaching is uh, probably the number one up-and-coming profession, wouldn't you say so? In this, it's in this well, it's in the, I'd, I'd say it's the top ten. Yeah, I would too. Definitely, we have to say goodbye. I hate to say goodbye. Anyway, uh, we'll talk more next week. Uh, we only have uh, a few seconds left, so go to tbd.com, and you can go to Lauren's website, Lauren Beller, Big Fish Nation. And I'm Catherine Zox. I'm your social worker with a microphone. It's been great talking to you this morning. Thanks so much for joining us on Voice America Women's Network. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week.
those bad diets and exercise routines that Talking you don't stick with? What about a better way to news, incinerate fat and energize your life without those worthless pills or gimmicks? Tune in every Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific to finish truth with... When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's like tiny nails in the air poke my lungs. I start to cough. Did you know your child's asthma attacks can be triggered by things like shower curtains, a blanket, even a teddy bear? I feel like I'm choking. And there are many other things in your home and your child's classroom you may not know about. For the latest information, call 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. Sometimes I, my parents have to take me to the hospital. Help prevent your child's asthma attacks and avoid the emergency room. Call toll-free 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. That's 1-866-662-8822. Or visit www.noattacks.org. I don't want to feel like a fish with no water. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. Let's face it, hormones happen. Whether you're a male or female, hormones have an impact on your overall well-being. Dr. Hart brings to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel timely topics that answer your lifelong questions about hormones in men, women, and teens. Tune in to Optimal Wellness every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Optimal Wellness. Live life well. Live life long. Live life to the fullest. We talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to the Catherine Sock Show. You're listening to the Catherine Sock Show with Lauren Zeller. I'm Catherine Sock, your social worker with a microphone. And this is Voice America Women's Network. Lauren, we're still here. Hello, Catherine. (laughs) I'm glad we're still here. I'm looking at my clock. I'm glad we're still here. I know. We're still here. You know, I was like 10 minutes into the, I don't know what happened, but I was like a little, anyway, we have, we have a few, we don't have 10 minutes, but we have a few minutes left, so we're back. We have more to talk about. Anyway, because uh, I did want to discuss with you, I like to talk about what, you know, the guests and, and some of the issues that they brought up. What, because you, you're in that age category, and, and I, if listeners were um, listening just before we, I, we did just take a break, but tbd.com, 40 plus, 40 is the new 20, and um, this website that you can go to, which is considered the tbd.com, MySpace for the 40 plus crowd, How, you're just in that category. I mean, you're similar to our guest, Robin Walliner, because she had her kids late, um, and so did you, so you're not into the empty nest or that kind of stuff, but what about some of these issues that are different for 40 plusers? What do you think? Well, there are real issues. I don't think that the, I don't think I do think they're real issues. I had never heard heard of TBD until um, our guest today. So there, it's interesting because I don't think you know. I have to say it this way: when I first had Sierra, she's going to be two in a month. Can you believe it? She'll be two years old. But anyway, when I first had her, I started to attend these you know mommy groups, and I couldn't deal with it. It just was not. It was the wrong fit. It was such the wrong fit. So because how old the girl, the women were. The women what? were twenty something. You know, they were in their twenties, early thirties, and they just were in a very, very different place than I ever was. You know, I already had a life. You know, for twenty years as an adult, 
And I wasn't willing to give that up. My life was not just about my daughter. And, you know, there was something missing for me if I was to go that route, and I felt like I was... I So, yeah, there is... This for, there is definitely bigger issues, or not bigger, I shouldn't say that, different issues. In this so it's not group. just, Lauren, it's not just the fact that you have children, because sometimes I think this is the issue that you really hit on. Like as a mom, you think, well, I'm a mom, so that's the issue, or that's kind of the thing that's going to give us the commonality with other, or give me the commonality with other women, like because we're mothers. But no, it doesn't. At, it doesn't. Your mother's at very different stages. If you're very a mother at twenty, yeah, very it, different. And I actually, it's. I don't even. Um, I don't. I find I don't even connect with other mothers that are younger mothers. And not that there's anything wrong or you know wrong or bad with it at all. It's just different. As we're in a very different stage. They didn't have. They didn't get to experience having their own life full adult life before diving into this endeavor of motherhood. Think what different kinds of mothers they're going to be. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, the I mean, not good or bad, but not having those experiences like you've had as a mother at 40 as opposed to somebody at 25. Um think all this stuff and all the wisdom and all, you know, I mean, you can go on and you can really be specific about it like what you give to your daughter Sierra, as opposed to if you've had her at 25. I say that I think of that all the time. My mother was 20 years old. Actually, I think she was 19 when I was born. What a different life I'm able to give Sierra because of that. And now, you know, she has a grandmother who's 20 years older than I am, and um, that is a gift too. You know, that's to a have- gift. But, but Lauren, on the other side of that, see, my mother had me when not she was 24, uh-huh. and what she keeps saying now is, we, ha- she and I, at the other end of the kind of the life cycle, uh, we have a lot in common, Yeah, which is a, will be a little bit different for you because she and I are so close together in age. So exactly. we share a lot of similar things now in the 40-plus category for both of us, and um, which, is a, which is a positive thing. I mean, you can't have it both ways. No, I agree with that. You can't have it both ways. And my mother too. My mother and I often, you know, we are we can be good friends as well because we are also close in age. You know, we're yeah. twenty years apart. Yeah. So when you're when when Sierra, let's let's kind of think about it. When she is um, a teen, when she's twenty, <laughs> I'll be sixty. Yes, and yeah. you'll be. I don't have time for that. <laughs> Uh, so, you know that whatever, what, whatever. Well, but you and then at that point, Catherine, the, the sixty will be the new forty, right? Yeah. <laughs> Except I don't think so. I really don't think sixty is the new forty, or sixty is the new fifty. Sixty is the new sixty. Forty is the new forty, and fifty is the new fifty. But sixty is not the new fifty, and forty is not the new. 20. Yeah, no, I agree not, with that. It's it's a, def- there is a different mindset, I think, and that's what it is. And people are thinking it's a younger mindset. I'm not sure it's a younger mindset. I think it's more of a broad and a more open mindset. Exactly. I think you just nailed it. Because I think it makes you feel bad if you think that you're 60 and you should be the new 50. Because you're not. Because physically you're not. I mean, she mentioned this stuff. I mean, let's face it. I mean, you don't have the, your, the you know, you don't have the, you, your hormones aren't raging. Your estrogen levels are down. And <laughs> yes, and men, your testosterone levels too. So it makes you feel bad to think you should be acting like 50 when you can't or 40 or when you're 40 trying to act like 20 and you can't. Um, and I don't think that that helps people. I think that that hinders them. It makes no, you I feel bad agree. about. Yeah, yeah no, I, I mean, totally but, agree. I mean, there's no way I look in the mirror and I'm for, you know for, I'm 42, and I look in the mirror and there's no way that I am the I'm a 20 something. 
sorry. <laughs> and you look great. I mean, if you go online and go to Lauren's website, go to her website, take a look at what she looks like, because you look great at 40. Well, thank you. And it's it's not 20. You know, it's not 20. No, it's not 20. My my sons are in their 20s. I see what 20 is like, and 20 is 20. And exactly. that's okay. But you said something just a few minutes ago, Lauren. You said it's just it's a broader perspective on what we can do at those ages, what we have more choices, we're maybe healthier. That's the, you know, because of medication and because of good health care and that kind of stuff. But not even that. It's what you say. There're just a lot more choices. And so that's the good part. And, we... and tonight, I think what happened years ago is that we thought we were getting older, so we acted older. And I think in this new, the new way of doing it is we, we know we're getting older, and we choose to continue to do certain things because we can. Yeah, we can, we're able to, and the, but we're able to, but also the choices are out there. They are available. You can go to, um, you can go and you. I always talk about recareering. You can do that. There are opportunities in the world. There are all different. There are so different kinds of jobs that you can that you can get when you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s. That wasn't available 20 years exactly, ago. Exactly. Absolutely not. There's so much that wasn't available that's allowing us to broaden who we are and what we do and how we think. Yeah. So we have to change it. I think you and I have to change it on I, the show. It's a mission. Let's do it. It's a mission. Do not feel bad. 60 is not the new 50. 60 is 60. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a great thing. And it is, absolutely. I just finished reading Nora Ephron's book. Now, she's a little older than I am, so she's not, I don't know if you know who she is, but she was married to, remember Woodward and Bernstein, the ones who were the Washington Post who exposed President Nixon? Well, anyway, I think she was married to Bernstein, but she's an author. She wrote Crazy Salad. When she was the screenwriter for When Harry Meets Sally. Oh, oh, I mean, she's oh, just like okay. totally successful. And she's written this book about being over actually being in the 50s and 60s, and it's like it is and with humor. It is so funny. And she talks about all of these things that we just discussed, and um, but with humor. It's a great book. It is just, I mean, it's maybe not for 40-plus, but definitely for 50-plus. <laughs> You're funny. Yeah, no, you have to. Now that we're being honest about age, it's not for the 40-plus. It's definitely for 50-plus. Yeah, definitely for 50-plus, but she's just very funny. It's a great book. It's called... Um, Something, I, can't, I never can remember the title of the book. It's like, what, what do I do about my neck or something? Oh, uh, about, uh, yeah, I, you know, I think I've seen her, her speak about the book. Yeah, because, Lauren, no matter how great you look, the neck always, if you look at a woman, you can always tell how old she is by looking at her neck. No matter how thin she is, no matter what, you know, let's say you're in great shape, you exercise, you, you're, you're the right weight, whatever age, your neck tells the story. Your neck and your hands, don't you and think? Your hands? hands. Yeah, I'm looking at my hands lately going, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. my goodness. And you can't do anything about your hands. And she said you can't do anything about your neck unless you do something about your face. So, ladies, if you're looking at your neck and, you know, it's a little bit look like a waddle or wrinkled or whatever, you can't just do a neck thing, go under the <laughs> knife. You have to do the face thing, too. So it's a whole big surgery. It starts at the top and you just keep going down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, now we really do have to say goodbye. And you've been listening to Catherine Sox and Lauren Beller on Voice America Women's Network. I'm your social worker with the microphone. This is the Catherine Sox Show. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week.
We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Catherine Talk Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Women's Channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversation with Catherine Zox.